Hi, Vineet. Welcome to Network Capital's podcast. We're really excited to speak to you today and learn more about your career and figure out some mental models that we can all apply when we think about careers in impact investing and other areas. So what do you do, Vineet? Uh, I'm the founder of uh, the Avishkar Group. We actually are a group of companies. Avishkar is the pioneering impact uh, investing fund. Uh, we started in 2001. Uh, Arohan, which is a microfinance company that came into the group in 2012. Uh, we have a SME lending platform called IntelliGrow. We have a fintech tri- uh, company called Tribe. And then we have an advisory company called IntelliCap. Yeah. And how did you arrive? When you look back, uh, how did you become an impact investor or become interested in this space at all? So I think uh, my journey has actually been uh, probably a series of accidents, uh, if you can call that. I'm a forester by training, so I used to live in a forest, then got married, and my wife didn't find the forest as enchanting as I did, so I was given a short duration to find an alternate job. Uh, I went to IIM Ahmedabad to do research, which was the only job available at that time. Uh, chasing elephants in the forest uh, was very dramatically different than actually sitting and typing papers in IIM Ahmedabad. So eight months later, I actually decided to quit. Uh, at that point of time, I did not know what job I wanted to do. Uh, the professor I was working with advised me that the government of Gujarat was considering launching India's first incubator. Uh, this is all 96, 97, so the term incubator itself was quite unknown. Uh, yeah. yeah, And so I applied uh, for the job of the manager, but during the process of interview, it seemed uh, those who applied for the position of CEO and general manager did not know much about incubation. Uh, and during my interview, the folks from the government thought that I knew more than others. And so instead of uh, being made a manager, I was actually offered the job of the CEO. Of the so, incubator. Of the incubator. So at 26, uh, I set up, I think, India's first incubator. Uh, it was interesting because I had the government, the entire government on my board, uh, three professors from IIM Ahmedabad and some people from the civil society. Uh, my job was to pick up farm, ideas of farmers and convert them into business. Uh, long and short of it, with the kind of background I had, it, it was a struggle, but uh, I was able to convert seven ideas into businesses. Uh, my learning by the time the four years got over was that uh, you need to actually, people need capital which has the ability to take risk and people need talent yeah. uh, to build a business out of the capital. So ideas are dime under them. Every, pers- every Indian in my view carried 10 ideas in his back pocket. Mm-hmm. What you really need is actually uh, something that can trigger that idea to right. reach a business plan and then capital that can take risk. Yeah. Uh, I went back to my board, uh, tried to explain to them, uh, this is what I need. But as you can understand, it's difficult to change thought processes that easily. I was 29, turning, going to 30. I thought I was the brightest guy around. And so I quit my job in a half and with $100 or 5,000 rupees of personal capital, started Avishkar and then I borrowed $2,000 or 1 lakh rupees. You meant 5,000 rupees or $5,000? 5,000 rupees. 5,000 rupees. Yeah, because I was I was working for government. My yeah. salary was 12,000 or 15,000 rupees. So 5,000 rupees was a lot of money. Uh, and then uh, like any classical, stupid, naive, young guy would struggle. I struggled for the next five, six years. Mm-hmm. And that's the story. So tell me about your years in forest. So you said that those years shaped you. We've had discussions about it in the past. What did you learn about uh, the Indian diaspora that you didn't otherwise? Well, I think uh, 
I think the interesting part about uh, any individual, uh, and most of us actually, at, so you have to go back, most of you probably were very young at that time, I'm talking about around 20, 25 years back. Uh, while we were born and brought up in very small cities and we had seen some level of poverty, but uh, the kind of poverty that was hidden in the forest was of a very different variety. So if you go to if Delhi and Mumbai, you see people beg, but in forests, people don't beg. Uh, rather, they will starve because the food is not available to survive. So that kind of poverty is quite unnatural, even if you have been born, brought up and lived in small cities in India. Uh, when I went to the forest, uh, I did not prepare, I was not mentally prepared to encounter that kind of a world. Uh, but it was an eye-opener. Uh, my job was really to actually manage uh, a government forest on behalf of a paper mill. So uh, not necessarily that I was doing very constructive work, but uh, in the process I was creating significant employment in very remote parts and uh, providing food, water, uh, medicines, all to the people who were really poor and had nowhere to go. So I saw death, destruction, I saw children die right in front of my eyes. And you have to remember I was 21. So it was, uh, it taught you a lot. It taught you that life is very difficult. It also taught you that how without communication, without uh, background, people survive. And uh, it also told you that a lot more can be done to make things uh, better. So I learned all that. Uh, I did not prepare myself to leave the forest as early as I did because I spent only three and a half years in the forest. Uh, but it was enough to shape my thinking. Okay. And uh, when, you, when you said that you created employment for people in the forest at that time, um, was that idea something that you already had in mind or you went there and figured out? And could you tell us a bit more about some yeah. schemes that you piloted? No, so I think one has to understand, I was actually working on behalf of a, of a company and the paper mill actually... Uh, the job was to basically use the people living in the forest or nearby from the forest and give them, help them actually harvest bamboo, build the roads. So the job was not because I was actually, I had any great bright idea. It was simply because a lot of people uh, were asked to do that job for the company. One of the things that probably I can take a little bit credit, but very small credit was that I realized that... Uh, uh, everybody needed to find an alternate way of generating more revenue and uh, we were at that time trying to uh, distribute saplings and seedlings uh, and, in, and we started actually uh, encouraging people to start creating small nurseries and if they were able to create a nursery we'll provide them seeds, uh, paper, polythene bags etc and we will buy it back from them. So in that sense, it actually became a, a business activity, uh, which was the only contribution of was too minuscule to really take any credit for it. I see. And then, so you've done your IM Ahmedabad stint. You've, uh, mm -hmm. you've created that incubator. Mm -hmm. You've just set up Avishkar. What was your vision starting out then? And uh, where do you stand now? So first and foremost, I had no vision. <laughs> I was actually only responding to a threat or a challenge or an opportunity. I mean, one can see it very different ways. I saw that if people have to actually, uh, if we have to create equal opportunities between rural and urban India, then you have to create jobs, livelihoods and employment where people live. And taking people out, which is classically called migration, is not necessarily helping. So my thought process was to do that, you need to actually create enterprises. Now, I was running a not-for-profit incubator. 
to create a for-profit enterprise to bring about development was a un unlikely or an unthought of idea in 97, 98, 99. Uh, I thought that it looked like a very strong idea. Uh, you also have to take into account that I came from a government family. Nobody in my family for 300 years that I could track or 400 years had ever done any business. Mm -hmm. So I myself was completely new to the idea of business. But it seemed logical that if you create a business that could actually uh, sustain itself and also serve many other needs uh, of the people around that seemed to be a better idea than actually giving grants and supports uh, support people by actually just continuously giving them small amounts of capital because uh, it was very evident even in 97 98 that grants were very difficult to come by i see so at that time you said that uh, these were some of the thought processes in your in your mm -hmm. mind um, did you think that uh, impact investing in a, like in the Indian cycle of evolution would work at all? Like, uh... so if if you start thinking, then your ability to act actually goes down. So, so one of the beliefs we have at the group level is we call listening plus doing is much greater than talking, uh, and sometimes listening and doing also, in my view. Uh, is far more valuable than thinking about listening and doing. So I'm actually a guy who give much higher priority to action because uh, remember that, again, I will take you back to 97, 98, 99, 2000. Had I started thinking there was no logical reason for a forester with $100 in his pocket to actually launch a venture fund, when venture fund as commercial idea itself was unknown in India. Mm -hmm. There were I can count on my fingers the number of venture funds that existed in India. Yeah. So the, the, the thought process that the word venture capital itself had much meaning was didn't exist. The only thing people knew was loan, debt, and uh, interest rates. Yeah. So the idea of impact, and that's why people used to laugh at me. Uh, but because I was willing to stick my neck out and walk the path, I think I received a lot of support also. And I think... Uh, I have to thank every individual who came forward to participate in that fund. Uh, and each one of them were not necessarily very rich at that time. So these were, mm -hmm. it initially started from contribution coming from some people living in Singapore who liked the idea and found it very interesting that there was a guy who is saying that you give me money and I'll return it back and I'll return with some returns. Mm -hmm. I was asked to come to Singapore, as I, as you can make out, I didn't have the money. So they sent me a to and fro ticket, Air India, I still remember 22,000 rupees to and fro ticket from for Singapore. That happened to be my first travel outside India. Which year was this? This is 2001. Okay. And uh, I was put up in front of uh, 40 people in the evening. Uh, I made a very passionate plea for them to invest in me. And most of them were bankers, so they knew 100 times more about investing than I did. Right. Uh, so at the end of that speech, uh, everybody started going back. And then one of the gentlemen, Jayesh Parekh, came up to me and said, hey, you, why did you come here? And I said, I came here to raise money. He said, then why are you not asking for money? I said, I thought I've already done that. And he said, nobody gives you money just because you made a speech. So, and uh, so I'm always very thankful to people like Jayesh Parekh, Arun Dias, Anant Nageshwan, Arvind Singh, who, uh, Anant and Arvind who hosted me, and Arun Dias and Jayesh Parekh who have since remained permanently part of Avishka's journey from the time I founded it. Mm -hmm. So not only did they participate, and Jayesh mm -hmm. Parik actually stood up and made that announcement that he is going to commit 15,000 Singapore dollars right. to this idea, which triggered $100,000 commitment from that group. I see. And that's how I started. I see. 
and uh, at that time um, you were promising a return of any kind or you thought that it would be an experiment worth uh, worth carrying out you know no i actually never believed i was doing an experiment i actually believed i had the world's best idea and i'm actually going to return the money and return a lot of money mm-hmm. though finally when it came to documenting it we were saying we will at least try to give you 8% return i see i don't think so anybody who gave me the money ever believed me yeah and i did check with them but they believed so, your passion they believed your experience field experience yeah. and plus i think the gujarat experience of being the incubator head might have helped as well i am unsure uh, if those things were relevant at that point of really? time because what i was doing versus what i was supposed to do they were completely different things uh, i have gone back and asked those people why did you give the money to me they said that uh, your body language and your belief in what you were saying uh, knowing fully well that you will fail mm, triggered us to actually back you so they thought you would fail because it seemed like an idea which was just not ready for the time and i did fail actually so the truth is that uh, i have only returned part of that money that i took in 2001 2 3 and uh, at the end of it i mean just barely returned the capital mm-hmm. from that fund uh, remember that it took me many years to raise that 7 8 years uh, and it was invested in what you call very idealistic things uh, right. again you have to go back to look at the kind of person and how, what kind of thought process was but the fact that i have raised money and i actually am also returning that money if you just look at the track record of venture capital and private equity funds of that time yeah. they would have most of them have not even returned half of the funds right so given all that i i would still say i was not successful mm-hmm. uh, but uh, i don't think so people were investing in me because they wanted returns they were investing in the idea of a change that i was probably uh, one of the signs of the future okay look this is very useful context uh, now just uh, let's start from the basics now a lot of people are very interested now in the idea avishkar is clearly one of the most successful funds in this space to you what is impact investing and how is it different from investing in any other asset so i think the first let's actually start by saying and acknowledging that all businesses make impact there are very few businesses that you can stand up put your hand hand on the heart and say this is a negative impact could be arms ammunition alcohol whatever drugs but most other businesses create impact now money is like water it always finds the lowest place to park itself what is behavior of money money is actually looking at the lowest risk and a consistent return money hates volatility and when i say money it's not money per se because money has no mind but the people who are protecting money largely for other people this is basically how they think uh, the idea of making impact therefore in a business as usual is generally located to the lowest risk place so just take india as an example and you take orissa and mumbai where do you think logically investment should be made in korapot or in mumbai any logical person with any level of education will tell you mumbai is a better place to do it so if you make an investment in mumbai and you create jobs here you are essentially adding opportunities and so when i started off my belief was that there is a massive demand for jobs in korapot why would capital not go there so this was the idealistic thought process with which the idea of current impact investing that we are doing started 
over last 15, 16, 17 years, and just so to give you people historical context, the word impact investing got coined only in 2008. Oh, is that? Yeah. And uh, six or 15 of us actually coined the name because, uh, uh, because uh, not, or each one of us called ourselves by a different name. And so there was a need for us to get classified under one umbrella. So only in 2008, 15 of us came together. And we also started a movement called Global Impact Investor Network. Five of us actually, Anthony Buglevin, Willie Foot, myself, and one or two more people. Over the period of time, the idea of impact investing has evolved. Now, a large number of people actually believe any business is impact. Uh, some people believe that big uh, threats to the global environment is impactful. So, for example, climate change, uh, making a difference to climate change is very impactful. Then there are others who actually believe that uh, if you are addressing any large problem, that is worth solving. And this is actually a belief that Avishkar also holds. And when I say worth solving, sending people to Mars is also worth solving. So, Elon Musk can also qualify as a impact uh, entrepreneur. So does Airtel, Vodafone, and anybody else, because the amount of difference that technology, telecom technology has made to the poor is staggering. Uh, having said all this, there is still a belief that uh, you can just turn behind and you can see a lot of slums here. How do you actually change the lives of the people who actually cannot afford uh, two square meal a day? Uh, how do you actually give them, uh, and my personal belief is the idea of making poor people rich. And rich is not making somebody Bill Gates. Rich is giving a pow the power of choice to people. Can you feed your children two square meal a day? Can you send your children to a school? Can you actually, when you uh, go and plug yourself in, have access to electricity? These are simple things that make a person rich. And our aspiration is that to use our capital to generate livelihoods and employment where livelihoods and employment don't exist. So take it there and reduce risk and vulnerabilities in the life of people. The twin aim put together using a model of business and using capital as a lever in that is essentially what impact investing is. Right. And uh, it's it's a model that uh, that requires obviously understanding businesses. It requires a lot of partnerships, so on and so forth. And it's relatively new. What are some of the, in the past 10 years especially, what are some of the things that have really given you hope uh, that this field will continue to grow? So I think, uh, again, when, when you talk about hope, you when I started off, one of the things I was thinking I was doing was I was taking away those and activities that take away philanthropic capital. And remember, philanthropic capital is a very small uh, amount of capital compared to the commercial capital. The world will have more than $200 trillion of commercial capital, and probably we are talking about few hundred billion dollars of what you called aid capital. So how do you actually move away from aid capital and bring commercial capital to do some of the work of the aid capital? That's how I actually used to think mm -hmm. that can I... So I was trying to move away from philanthropic capital and try to make commitments of returns believing that a business can become enlarged and create returns. Right. Now, as uh, as time has changed, what we have started realizing is, uh, and if you go by in last six months, if you just go by announcements, you have TPG rise. TPG is a mainstream fund talking about a billion, two billion, four billion dollar impact fund. KKR just announced a one billion dollar uh, impact fund. Uh, 
there is now an acceptance of the word impact which did not exist 10 years back 10 years back 5 years back 3 years back so one of the things we have been very successful about is create a line in the lexicon of those who control capital right of allocation to impact mm-hmm. now that's actually probably the biggest success that we have seen yeah the second part which i i'm actually hopeful will happen is if we can convince those aggregators or manager of these large pools of capital to start engaging with pioneers of impact investing because mm-hmm. remember that managing capital and using the term impact is very different from actually doing impact investing as i defined it earlier where you are trying to make real change yeah as i said the idea of investing an idea of impact always exists because every business creates some level of impact yeah impact investing was an idea of taking their capital to a slightly higher order challenge right uh, and so returning and returning the capital irrespective is equal on both sides yeah. you have to return the capital and generate returns so that you cannot walk away with yeah. but can you convince the managers of capital to take a little higher risk for generating a better return yeah Uh, the biggest mistake i think all of us have made is convince the world that you can make impact without actually having any additional risk in your portfolio yeah i don't think so that's really possible there is a need there is a need for us to actually bring the equilibrium but at the starting point the risk will always be higher right it's not that the returns will be lower but the quantum of risk is higher so while one can who states that that uh, Yes, impact investing can deliver the same return. They are probably half truth. They are stating mm-hmm. a half truth. I also do that. Mm-hmm. I just keep highlighting that to make that return, which is equal to commercial return, in impact investing you take a higher risk. Right. Broken ecosystems, uh, highly difficult problems. For mm-hmm. example, cleaning India. If you do it through a business, and we have a business called Nepra, let's recycle, where we have gone from zero to five hundred tons per day. that's roughly 100 million dollar revenue very profitable wow. and can go to 5000 tons per day and probably 50000 tons per day and maybe a as big a company as uber because we are just talking about india and the world is a, a marketplace for that however the kind of risk that we took to solve a problem like that is just unimaginable so if you go there now is it very different from venture capital i think the only difference is venture capital operate in very evolved ecosystems so you will see venture capitalists actually doing path breaking work but they will take a technology risk in a evolved ecosystem talent is available thought process is available buyers are available capital providers are available and then you take risk paradigm shifting risk yeah we are actually trying to take paradigm shifting risks where entrepreneurs are uneducated ecosystems don't exist and you do not know and you are dealing with governments and regulations that are archaic right therefore the risk that we are taking is of a much higher order then the risk that is being taken even by venture capitalist and therefore sometimes if people say impact investing is adventure capital <laughs> i would hesitate to not disagree with them right you know awareness has been at multiple levels one is that of course the, it's it's well accepted now but now you know young people who are thinking about careers a lot of them come and talk about how do i break into uh, impact investing what can i do to get in so the awareness has also been to reach out to governments millennials who are now considering careers here and trying to get in and not being able to make a case so i think you've really done a great job of uh, sort of evangelizing this venture/adventure capital 
So um, what next now? How do you feel that this space is going to change in the coming years, if at all? What are some trends that you foresee? So I think uh, if you go by our history, one of the first things I invested in is on microfinance. And today, the mainstream world does not see microfinance as an independent activity of from financing. So we saw a complete absorption of microfinance as a completely charitable activity to a completely commercial activity today in my own lifetime. Mm-hmm. When I start, made my first investment in microfinance in a company called SKS in 2002, the total India's microfinance outreach was less than $10 million. Wow. Just to give you a context, today the microfinance outreach in India is $30 billion. <laughs> so we've gone from $10 million to $30 billion in my, in, in my this thing. And there is no classical impact investor now doing impact, microfinance. All the private equity, venture capital and the investors across the globe are doing it. If we are able to continue to replicate and grow the idea of impact investing, aided by the concept of sustainable development goals, Remember, Sustainable Development Goals is the first time ever in our history that the 193 nations of the world have come forward to imagine a world that none of us have ever seen. A world free of hunger, free of poverty, free of inequity. Now, those kinds of goals within a time frame, 2030, gives massive impetus to impact investing because impact investing started with the very lofty idea of achieving the same goals. Mm -hmm. But unarticulated, at the global level. Mm -hmm. Remember the pools of capital of the world, the $200 trillion that I'm talking about, are actually massively influenced by what the government thinks. Because these pools of capital are the pension funds, etc., and therefore are open to being pursued, persuaded to put the capital where impact is. Hmm. And because you are seeing these big announcements of funds that are impact investing funds, Mm. there is a very clear indication that the pools of capital have started shifting their Mm -hmm. allocations. Right. So my personal belief is, and I actually call it, uh, we were the tail of the dog (laughs) and we will be the dog down the line. Mm -hmm. So if you look economy, the whole $200 trillion as, uh, and you you hear about the 2% CSR. Yeah. So you spend $200 trillion in trying to actually spoil the world and then you try to spend a few billion dollars trying to make the world a better place. We are trying to reverse the cycle. Mm-hmm. And we need to actually become, not remain the tail, right. but we have to learn to wag the dog. Yeah, that's really And that's, that's really, so next 10 years is the idea of the tail wagging the dog rather mm-hmm. than dog wagging the tail. Yeah, that's really um, well put, Tavineet. Um, you know how today, of course, it's a, it's, such a well-known brand everyone nationally and internationally knows of it but initially when you were making the first investment these things don't happen overnight you have to find the company find a set of people invest in them and at some point the returns happen how did you go about finding those at that time and how is it different from how you find companies today so uh, when i started off in 2001 to our own understanding of what we were doing was very limited so we were looking at uh, individuals with ideas and we were not really concerned about how big, how large, what is exit, because the term exit itself was new to me. Mm-hmm. So what I did not know or have never experienced to actually explain to a guy who doesn't even know my investing style was alien to both of us. So we focused on what we could do and how to make an impact. By 2007-8, I started understanding and realizing that uh, when you are making an investment, you have to first ask yourself, is there a problem that is large enough is the business model and the entrepreneur, the thought process they have, is scalable enough 
to make a significant dent in the problem that you are addressing. Mm -hmm. The third thing that we started realizing is, even though I am putting my capital, my capital is very limited. Is there a way to influence commercial capital to follow us? Mm -hmm. And the fourth is if all that happens, what is the point of time when you can convince the entrepreneur to think about helping us find a way to exit? Right. Now, so these are four different steps. Uh, and this is when venture capital itself was new to India. So I, I, we actually started working very hard in trying to create uh, a significant talking point between educating the entrepreneurs about the idea of investing. And we launched a concept called Sankalp in 2009. Yeah. We were the outreach partners last year. Yeah, you were the outreach partner. So one of the idea behind Sankalp was how do you pick up young, smart entrepreneurs with ideas, uh, but having no idea of how to convince and communicate this to investors. Also, the success of microfinance has convinced a lot of mainstream guys to actually associate with us and join the jury and see if there is a new idea coming which will bring about a significant change to mm. the future. Right. So that was the second part of discussion that uh, we thought Sankalp started playing a very important role. The third thing where we were quite successful was I met a lot of international investors who used to come to India but were finding it incredibly difficult to find a company that was doing anything novel. Mm -hmm. So they would have heard of three, four successful names. Right. And when they will come to India, they will be continuously re-engaged or reintroduced to the same folks. Mm -hmm. Their belief, therefore, was that there are no great ideas in India. While people like me who were living in India and meeting millions and millions of these people with great ideas, etc., had a completely reverse view of the situation. We thought we were capital dry, while the world thought India was idea dry. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sankalp, therefore, became a focused event to showcase the power of ideas emerging mm. from India yeah. to those guys who were sitting interna internationally with mm. the capital that yeah. wanted to make impact yeah. and was willing to move to India and take that extraordinary risk as well. Yeah. So I think uh, the critical role that uh, Sankal played in building that entire ecosystem, bringing it together and uh, making it happen uh, cannot be understated. Uh, I think within the group at that time, that lever was taken by IntelliCap, mm -hmm. which is a, uh, which is a f group's uh, fully owned subsidiary and uh, is led by very young people who are as enthusiastic. I mean, similar profiles like <laughs> Yudhkar. So. Um, Vineet, this is just energizing, but uh, this impact, the word impact has been used and abused by many stakeholders. Let's stick to impact investing. What makes you slightly skeptical about some stakeholders within the impact investing ecosystem? I'm not obviously looking for names. I'm just looking no, for ideas. I, I don't think... So I learned the hard way that uh, no field in the world can actually be driven by the purist. Mm -hmm. So if you look at cricket, and just most Indians love cricket, if you look at cricket, if you would go by a six-day cricket test match with a one-day off in between and you want to impose that in a changing environment like today where people don't have more than 90 minutes of uh, time to give on to TV, uh, if we wouldn't have moved from test cricket to 2020, I think test cricket would have died long back. Mm -hmm. Similarly, purists like me on the side of impact investing has to acknowledge and understand that impact investing is not going to be what we started. Right. It will get diluted 
it will bring in different kinds of folks and people and there is an acceptance that different kinds of products and services are needed because this sector is going to address the world we are talking about 3 billion to 4 billion people who form the bottom half of the pyramid of the human pyramid now if you're talking with 4 billion people and for a vineet or somebody else who is actually conceptualized or were there in 2001 promoting the idea of impact investing to take the ownership sounds not the wisest thing. Mm -hmm. So I do not see aberrations or uh, a little bit of abuse of word of impact investing as a very negative thing. Mm -hmm. I just see that we have to be vigilant. We have to continuously be capable enough to call out when we see digressions. Right. And we should continue to engage in dialogues. Mm -hmm. And that's driven by that idea. Some of us actually went ahead and created India Impact Investor Council. That's the only alternate council other than Global Impact Investor Council that existed. Yeah. We've had some very good CEOs who have done an exemplary job. And I think the real big challenge that faces us as a collective today in impact investing is how do we actually work with the government? Right. We just saw government actually announce a $1.5 billion uh, fund of funds for startups. Mm -hmm. Then government also is talking about a $1.5 billion fund of funds for MSME. Right. Now, whether you are talking about startups or whether you are talking about MSME, a large part of this money, the belief, if you go and talk to the government folks, they want to make an impact on the ground mm -hmm. where people are being left out. So yes, there is a need for Amazon, Google, Flipkarts to happen, mm -hmm. but there is as much need to have a milk mantra, awesome, uh, let's recycle, agro star to happen as well, right. because our farmers, our uh, poor people, uh, uh, the challenges of dirt, filth, health, education, access, all that needs to be solved at probably a faster pace, then we have to make people rich. Right. Uh, the idea of creating an equitable world, which is also part of what SDG is saying, is actually a very strong demand. And if the country has to move forward, we have to make an equal world. Yeah. And uh, it's not a socialist thought process, because if you go to the developed world, you don't see that kind of uh, diversity in times of incomes, mm -hmm. except places... Uh, Certain places, uh, even in developed world, you will see that. But if you go to Europe, you won't see that kind of uh, yeah. diversity in terms of income levels. I believe India, therefore, needs to be. So we need to find a way to work with the government to homogenize uh, and convince them that these MSME funds and the funds could actually be clubbed as impact funds. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that you have people who are very good managers of right. taking this capital to where you want it to go. Yeah. Um, it's been almost 14 years uh, since you, you know, thought of the idea and you've obviously come a long way. 18 years. 18 years. Yeah. Okay. 18 years since you started mm -hmm. and uh, 2001 to 19 years. What has been one really special high and one really, you know, low? Yeah, so I think low is very easy to say. It's actually, I think, 18th October 2010 when uh, Andhra Pradesh government came up with an ordinance and wiped out the entire microfinance portfolio. I had to write off some $150 million in one day. Uh, it was a low not because I had to write off money. I had to. It was a low because I felt that uh, the mistake that was made by the microfinance sector uh, could have actually done with a slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. Instead, they decapitated. They, they basically uh, took off the neck of the sector itself. They simply bludgeoned the sector without giving it 
any chance mm-hmm. to deal with the challenges it has created yeah uh, and that i think uh, also woke me up to a challenge that we never thought existed which was how to engage with the public sector the government why is it important for you if you are working in impact where you are dealing with millions of poor people who seem to be disenfranchised uh, from the eyes of the government and is seen as government's uh, uh, in some sense a government vote bank or government genuinely feels very strongly about what is happening to them how do you deal with that right. so that was my learning the highs have been many actually but one of the highs was actually to help uh, shumita ghosh of rangsutra to start and build a company that she envisaged would be owned by all the artisans mm-hmm. and then she introducing me to the uh, william bessel the managing director of fab india and then helping william to actually build these women owned companies which now are actually merged back with uh, yeah. fab india yeah. to create ownership uh, j- beyond livelihoods uh, is a romantic idea that i still believe in uh, if you can actually make poor people owners of the business then you can actually do real transfer of wealth mm-hmm. uh, till now we have focused on livelihoods uh, except these one or two instances where i have tried to create this uh, one idea of zameen organics we failed but in rangasutra we were very successful uh, i think uh, the day we will be able to actually create massive companies which are owned by very poor people mm-hmm. uh, we might have actually achieved uh, the idea of equalizing yeah. wealth distribution in our economy yeah this is fascinating vidhi thank thank you i share the enthusiasm about the sector and where it's going lots of people come to us about uh, advice for breaking into impact investing um you you were there in an online course network capital again supported it uh, but uh, what advice do you have for people or young people trying to break into it so many interns come to you uh, from all parts of the world yeah. why is it happening what advice do you have especially for people who've uh, who've quote unquote not come from conventional backgrounds that investors really like See, I think the challenge, and I actually normally discourage young people to get into the idea of investing and encourage them ten times more to become entrepreneurs in the area of impact. Now, let me tell you why. Uh, it is much easier to actually do something than to advise something. To advise another person, you need the wisdom of going through the same rigmarole. Otherwise, Credible your advice, advice yeah. yeah. Otherwise, your advice is of no value. So if you have never done something and you are sitting on the side of giving money how would you actually add value asking questions of why something cannot be done is the easiest task in the world mm-hmm. that's what basically venture capitalists do or impact investors do as well but going and doing it requires naviet it requires enthusiasm it requires the energy and excitement of youth so when you are young trying to actually get into the role of wise old men saying oh i know this will not be done this cannot be done i can, or trying to tell somebody that i will give you the money and then i'll help you make you do it by using my wisdom requires experience mm-hmm. so if you are young and when i say young anybody below in the range of age of 30 and below you are better off joining an impact entrepreneur Mm-hmm. rather than an impact fund right because your ability to learn by being a fund manager is very limited mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i call 
fund managers as begani shaadi mein abdullah diwana because it is somebody else's money and you are giving to somebody else yeah. uh, there is no real value add beyond your own experience of having building a company that you bring to the table mm-hmm. uh, or networks that you have built over time both requires time and credibility yeah and in absence of that you are not really going to be a great impact fund manager so if you start your career there but if you spend 10 years being an impact entrepreneur you have a very high likelihood of being a very good impact fund manager as well right some people some authors call like talib call it skin in the game or have mm-hmm. you know, having gone through the journey of course like the point in credibility is well made but suppose like suppose somebody still wants to has a, has 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 or has not done or something mm-hmm. entrepreneurial but wants to join uh, an impact investing fund and doesn't come from a conventionally cool background which investors like can that person really break in I actually personally think it is becoming difficult so if if Vineet Rai would have applied to Avishka today my CV would have not even been considered yeah forester <laughs> lived in a forest done this there is no way he can actually do anything worthwhile remember that when we are hiring people we are hiring process managers so we are not looking for the best and the brightest even though that's what all investors tell you if you are best and the brightest it will be incredibly dull for you to actually manage a dumb process mm. yeah. and i know a lot of people find this uh, my statements quite ugly but i can tell you guys if i would have studied in stanford and harvard i would have never become an associate in a fund i would have actually taken the risk of solving a big problem mm-hmm. and that's really where the ambition goes so if you are really bright you should not consider this if you are not coming from a cool background you should still not consider this because uh, you should be thinking about doing something that could add value to a fund manager uh, one of the things that you can do is bring an unconventional thought process uh, if you still want to join at all cost maybe an unconventional thought process uh, but you will have to be very persistent uh, which is exactly what we need to survive in the uh, i normally ask people to join us as interns because we need people we need to see and observe people for years together to understand whether they really like the idea or is it a fad in their minds remember impact investing is being taught across in us and europe one of our community members is interning from boston mm. harvard is actually interning with you right now yeah so i think the challenge the challenge is that a large number of people actually come into this space because they like the idea but the grime and the dirt of doing impact investing is very painful mm-hmm. I I therefore generally do not encourage young people to come in yeah. because they always then look out and say what did I lose. Yeah. So you first gain whatever you want and then come to this idea once your heart actually tells you yeah. that's what you want to do. Yeah. Last question. If you were to give yourself if your 18 year old self some advice what would it be? So I gave myself an advice when I was 35 year old I should have given it when I was 18 year old. Uh, see most of us get inspired by people we see there was a gentleman called vijay mahajan i met him when i was 27 28 he was the first guy i told i want to set up a fund like this and vijay mahajan is an i mean he's a great guy i think a lot of people in india believe he is their mentor so i also believe he's my mentor uh, he's a gold medalist from iit i am amdavad gold medalist founder of pradhan founder of basics great orator can talk from shakespeare to science in the same bread woodrow wilson scholar and i used to always try to ape him till 2005 i was desperately trying to ape him and one day he was making a speech and i was sitting in the audience and the speech was so mesmerizing 
that I actually gave up the idea of becoming Vijay Maharaj and I realized he's just a different human being. And that day I told me, told myself that uh, if I can become Vinit Rai, <laughs> that itself would be a great tribute to Vijay Mahajan. And I think my life changed from that time. I spent more time thinking about myself than trying to copy Vijay Mahajan. Uh, ideally, uh, I should have told myself that in 2000, when I was 18 years old, that I should have, uh, I should become myself and not anybody else. So getting inspired, being in awe, uh, getting excited by what others are saying are great things but uh, you have to ask yourself whether you have the same qualities that the other person have you will be surprised how different you are from people who inspire you and once you actually figure that out you would realize that you may outlive outsmart or out better in terms of impact these people who you think you are inspired by but for that you don't need to be them yeah. you need to be yourself Genius is a discovery challenge. Thank you, Vineet, for your time, for your candor. We genuinely appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you man.